and welcome back to another episode of Lots of Down. I am your host today, Wally Lubushinsky, and I'm joined again with David Klavan. We're kind of getting a little hot with these Thursday shows with just you and I. We'll try to keep it condensed-er, but we'll see how that actually goes. It's how we always start these off episodes with, and then you and I are talkers, David. But let's go over to you. How are you doing, buddy? I imagine you got to be at least a little excited about the United States going to the group of 16, right? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't see. Have they given any inclination of who they're going to draw? Have they? They are going to play. Oh, my God. Who was it yesterday? Netherlands. They are playing Netherlands in a round of 16. Yeah. That's a tough draw. Um, No, I'm excited. I, uh, You know what I'm more excited, though, for? I'm excited to go to Florida this weekend. Tomorrow through Monday, I am going to be eating up 80-degree weather and not working, and I cannot wait. What about you? What are, uh, are you excited about the the polls advancing? I didn't even think about that. It was a really unique group stage of the World Cup, considering the fact that it felt like for the first time in my life, I got to actually be happy. And so be it, it was because Poland lost 2 nothing to Argentina. Shout out to Steven's buddy, Adam Alfonso. He's an Argentine, I think they're called. I wanted to call them Argentinians like all week. That sounds good but they're like Argentines or something like that. So, but anyways, credit to them. They got through. I should mention it as well. That means you will not be here next Monday. It'll be Steven and I. So you'll get some well-deserved time off. Hopefully watch a little world cup as well. But yeah, dude, I'm doing well. This is this time of year. I know we say it all the time on this show because when we're in the season, we're obviously going one thing to another. It's just sports overload. And I'm one of those people, I like the overload. It sucks, too, because you're kind of frazzled and looking in 100 different directions all the time. But this is what people like us live for. At the end of the day, 9 to 5, I want to be dead because I'm preparing for that 7 to 11, 7 to 12 slate. So a lot of talking to say I'm doing well, David. I love it. Let's get into it. Well, let's get into it. In Monday night's game, the Pittsburgh Steelers went to Indianapolis where Kenny Pickett and the boys got a win against Jeff Saturday and the Colts. Let me paint the picture for you before we get some thoughts. The Colts were down 16-3 to at half, and the Steelers' offense looked as good as they have all year, scoring on four of their first five drives of the game. Before Najee Harris, he actually left the game with an abdominal injury. I'm sure we'll talk about him because his backups had a considerably better day, and it's been a kind of a running trend of the year for the Pittsburgh team. But the Colts on the flip, in the second half, they got things going. They were the better team throughout the second half until Matt Ryan, he fumbles a ball inside the five-yard line on a handoff, and then he just gets bullied. And it was like this sad realization where you just felt like another one of these old quarterbacks need to be like taken out the passer. He can't move. He doesn't look good back there. And even when he has a chance to recover a fumble, he literally just gets it taken out of his hands in front of a million people around the world, or even more, in these referees. So, David, I don't even know where to start with this game. I haven't even got into Jeff Saturday forgetting how to call timeouts because all of a sudden he's a head coach. Where do you even want to start with this game? The problems with the Colts, I guess, silver lining, the the sun's coming out a little bit for Pittsburgh. Where, Where are you at? I don't know. I hate both these teams. There is some silver lining for Pittsburgh, but... Not much. 
I'm still out on Kenny Pickett. I'm still not sure if he's going to be the guy, but I guess we'll see as we go into next year. Najee Harris, what a bust that is. He's one of the most – he's kind of like James Conner. He's kind of like one of the most inefficient runners in the league. But as for, as far as the Colts go, you're absolutely right. Matt Ryan's washed. I cannot – dude, I think I texted you and Steven when that fumble happened, and I was like, what Like, what the fuck just happened? Matt Ryan had, like, recovered the fumble. How is it the Steelers' ball? And, you know, you watch it from the other side, and you're just like, I don't understand how you didn't end up with the football here. What could have possibly happened? But – this game was a disaster on, on both these teams' front. I think the, the funniest thing is Jeff Saturday literally being clipped. It wasn't really two months ago. Feels Not true. even. It was like September I, 24th this year. It literally feels like a week ago, him being clipped, criticizing everyone, but then he gets into the situation and he's worse than everyone at it. Well, naturally, he does what all head coaches do too, and he immediately went on the defensive Oh, we knew exactly what we wanted to do. It didn't work out, but we we knew what we wanted. Well, here's the problem. You're going to be judged on the results. If you score, we're going to forget about it. It doesn't make it right, but we're going to forget about your mistakes. But when they come out and to call a timeout there on fourth and three after running a draw on third and two with the ticking clock, it just felt so painfully obvious that it wasn't on purpose, that it wasn't planned, that it was a team panicking and saying, well, shit, we have to call something. Uh, let's just get the first down. Let's just get the first down. And you can't even get the two yards. You give credit to the Steelers, of course, but the Colts, yet again, feel like they were the lesser coach team, the team that was more ill-equipped, I suppose, is the way to say it. And, I mean, that ended any chance they had at getting back into the wild card hunt or even in the division hunt. But let's go to the Steelers real quick. Two things. that One that you said before, Kenny Pickett. I think he probably played his best game as a NFL starting quarterback. He gave you reasons for hope. And then you end up back in the box score. And I want to say off the top of my head, it was something like 20 to 28, 190 yards or 180 yards, somewhere in that neighborhood, no touchdowns, no picks. And the more I watch him, the more he kind of gives me the vibe of young Andy Dalton in the Bengals, where I don't think Kenny Pickett's a bad quarterback. I don't think that he's ever going to be the reason why a team is bad. I also don't think Kenny Pickett is ever going to be anything more than the Andy Dalton kind of guy that maybe he can get you into a playoff game. Hell, maybe Kenny Pickett can even win you a game. But do you ever see him winning? sustained playoff success without there being an elite defense, without there being the perfect scenario all around him? No, I don't. And part of me thinks that they're scheming him on high percentage throws, and eventually that's going to run out. I mean, he went 20 of 28 for 174 yards. So there, there isn't a lot of meat and potatoes there. That is, that is a lot of short throws. On the season, I think he has three touchdowns, like eight interceptions. I think they're keeping it short. They're keeping it simple, and they're scheming him to make high percentage throws. And if that's what it is, great. I don't even – I'm not even confident he's Andy Dalton yet. Like, I'm I, – I don't know. We'll see because he's better. He's not throwing three interceptions anymore. But like I said, I think it might be them scheming him to get high percentage throws and keep the ball out of the opponent's hands. 
which is great, but I'm just not nothing about the Steelers offense right now. And I quite literally mean nothing about the Steelers offense gives me any kind of vibes of future excitement. There isn't a single player in that on that offensive side of the football that even go like that even gets me excited to watch them play. For me, it would be George Pickens. But if I go beyond him, I like Pat Farmer. So he's a solid tight end, but like being a solid tight end is not going to elevate an offense, anything crazy. And I don't know, like earmuffs for you Steeler fans. But if I'm you, David, and if I'm anybody else out there that's an AFC North rival of this team, I think Kenny Pickett is your wet dream because he's not the quarterback that's Zach Wilson. He's not the guy you're going to abandon after 12 to 16 starts. He's the guy that you're going to be married to for year after year after year convincing yourself probably a lot like I am with Derek Carr and the Raiders where it's well if if things are better we can win but it's not his fault and I think that's the perfect place especially for you because two of the four quarterbacks in your division I think are similar to that where like if you pay Lamar Jackson I feel like Baltimore at best might have one run in in his career I don't know where do you think like doesn't it feel like this is setting up perfectly for Pittsburgh Steelers purgatory? Absolutely. And I, I'm happy about it. If I was a Steelers fan, I'd be pissed, but I mean, I'm ecstatic. I don't, to your point, Lamar Jackson is not a guy who's going to go out and do what Joe Burrow or Deshaun Watson do and actively win you football games and put up ungodly numbers through the air but he is good enough to make them a 10, 11, 12 win team every single year. It's just, he's easy to stop if you don't put a boatload of talent around him. So if the Ravens could do that, sure, they're going to make a run. Sure. They'll be good for two or three years, but right now I'm not scared of the Ravens. The Ravens are, they're a great football team. They'll win 10 games. They'll win 11 games, but like they, they, they have no bite to that team. It is the Lamar Jackson show. So to your point, I can't say anything bad because the Browns suck. But from a quarterback standpoint, the Browns are in a great position versus the Ravens and the Steelers. Even in the past, though, you've seen quarterbacks that our franchises have swung and missed on so quickly. You've been able to almost go immediately back into let's go get our guy in the draft. You guys don't have to worry about that for a while. You've got your quarterback. We'll get into that more in his debut later. But let's real quick, we're not even going to throw it into rapid fire because it's only one story. Antonio Brown, it's kind of developing right now. He is currently in a standoff with police over a domestic violence battery charge that he's wanted for down in Tampa Bay. It just, it never ends with Antonio Brown. It seems like you can't go three weeks without seeing his name trending. And it's never a good reason, David. What were your thoughts when you first saw this? He's just such a dumbass. Like, I I don't understand at all how he functions. Like, I don't understand how he ha- isn't already in jail. The warrant out for his arrest right now is for domestic violence, I think. It's either that or assault. It's something. And that idiot is barricading himself in his house where the police know he has guns in his house. So, you know... SWAT team's going to come out like this is nothing's going to happen that that's going to come out positive from the situation. 
if he end up getting shot tonight, I I literally I I hope he doesn't. But like, would I be shocked? No, I, I don't understand Antonio Brown. And honestly, the world needs to stop showing him any kind of attention. And maybe we can just you know sweep him under the rug. Well, and like Antonio Brown always seems to find his way to do it too. We have a football game in an hour. The NFL is gonna what? Pretend like that's not happening? Do you make a a comment about Antonio Brown? If there was any doubt, because this is a domestic violence case, if there was any question, his career's over. If there was even a snowball's chance in hell of a team going out and signing him, it's done. And now, I can't remember who pointed it out earlier, regardless of your opinion of Antonio Brown, he has five young kids. This is devastatingly sad for them. You know, they're sitting there right now watching their dad on national television locked in his house as if this is a freaking, this feels like an SNL clip or a South Park episode. There's always something with him. And I, I don't even know what else to say. Do you have anything else on Antonio Brown? No, I just wish he would lose his voice forever. Well, be careful. That might be happening here. This week's NFL news in last week's recap was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more. Especially if you're around our age where there's college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it. Feels like they're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on our Instagram page at Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. So, David, we are entering into our Week 13 preview now. What the hell's going on out here? And that means two weeks now have gone by since we've last talked about our gambling. I'm a bum for the people at home. i got to explain this. It takes like an hour to actually do the math calculations on these. I didn't have time today before. I just have our records. But next week, I promise I'll have all of these up for you from the last few weeks. But last week, David, plus Thanksgiving, 12 and 8, buddy. You're starting to warm up again. Steven, 9 and 9. And naturally, as things are, I went 9 and 11 because I went 1 and 3 on Thanksgiving and 1 and 3 on Thursday. Because apparently, Thursday night games are my kryptonite, David, which is a great way to get into it. First of all, Cardinals and Panthers on a bye this week. No one's going to miss them. We'll smell you later next week. But tonight, the Buffalo Bills go to Foxborough to face Bill Belly and the New England Patriots with the total of 43 and a half. A lot of things to digest here. Vaughn Miller's not going to be playing. He was put on IR this week. Josh Allen, his elbow's a mess. And there's 17 mile an hour wins tonight in Foxborough to measure in two. Always gross when you have these two teams with weather. Why do you think the line is what it is? Do you think this is overly respectful of Belichick? Or do you think Vegas might actually be onto something and perhaps the Bills might be on upset alert tonight? Oh, interesting question. I think that personally, it's probably a little bit of both. It's probably you're playing in Foxborough in December. I, I have to imagine Bill Belichick's December record is off the charts. So I'm guessing that has something, even, even without Tom Brady, I'm guessing Belichick's December record is, is pretty stellar. I'm guessing that plays into it. In addition to Josh Allen and the Bills not being 
top tier for the last five weeks of football. But in this particular game, man, I keep shitting on the Bills, but holy shit, I keep betting with them. I think I'm going to stay away from this one. The only thing I – I'm going to take the over at the 43 and a half. I just – something about that feels way too little. Like, I, I – while the Bills have been struggling and Josh Allen has been a turnover machine, they've still been putting up points. It's not like they're they're struggling to score. It's just they're turning it over a lot, and and they're making games more competitive than they should be. I'm not confident in in betting on spread or betting on who's going to win. I just forty three and a half just seems too low for a game like this. You're right. I actually completely agree, and I'm also on the over. Should mention that Stephen is on New England plus three and a half in money line, but I'm not. I'm with you, and I think a lot of people are worried about the wind, like I was. It's one of the only weather games of the week, it looks like. But whenever you get in that high teens, low 20s, I think it runs people off. And what I think I always come back to is this isn't college. Like These are NFL quarterbacks, and typically you can see them, especially with a guy with the arm strength of Josh Allen. They cut through the wind. And I think that it's going to happen again. 43 and a half is not very many points. But I'm also going to take Buffalo minus three and a half. I feel like a mouse that's about to get caught in a trap, David, because all week I've been making it a concerted effort of mine to avoid the spread because it was four. And it just felt like a really weird number where it was giving up too much to New England. You couldn't feel comfortable. But at the same time, you're like, oh, my God, the Bills are liable to win by two scores. Three and a half, you kind of take away one of those common scores. Because of that, I'm going to see the cheese, and I'm going to get myself caught in the trap like the damn mouse that I am. I'm the biggest Josh Allen hater east of the Mississippi River. He's played like shit for the last month plus. His elbow's a wreck, as I mentioned before. Bill Belichick in Foxborough in December, to your point, he's probably got a record. It's like probably 82-9. and nine. But I'm Bill's Mafia for the night. No way, no way at all. After last year, we saw the Bills not punt two straight games against the New England Patriots. They probably wouldn't have punted in the third if it wasn't for that 50, 60, 70 mile an hour win game last year. I'm taking the Bills minus three and a half and the over 43 and a half. It feels too good to be true. And I'm, go- I'm using your logic from a few weeks ago with the Houston and Washington game, David. I'm not going to let myself overthink this one. It's Thursday night football, though, so everybody realized that with a grain of salt there with me. Any other thoughts on this game, David? No, but I found that through December of 13, which is with Brady, so, you know, he was 51-9 and through December of 13 and just December games. Okay, and then you have seven more years with Brady, which you'd imagine at worst you're probably going, like, 21 and seven. Yeah. I think three and one. Yeah. Three and one. Each yeah. 21 December. and seven a year. That's yeah. why I'm with you. It's just another one of those records that you get used to almost, you almost get bored of them after a while. It's just like every week, every time of year, there's another record. Like the third week of September when it's over 70 degrees, Bill Belichick, 23 and one. Like there's always a stat. But let's go into our next game here. The New York Jets are traveling to Minnesota where the Vikings are three-point favorites at home with a total of 44-and-a-half. Steven has the Jets plus three in the money line, 
And I actually think I'm with him here, David. All year we flirted with this Jets team, and we've always come to the same conclusion that they're a quarterback away. I mean, they may not have a quarterback to win Super Bowls now in Mike White, but they certainly have a hell of a lot better quarterback than Zach Wilson. And I think it's going to take this defense into that elite sphere we thought was possible. And because of that, I'm taking the Jets' money line. I think they're going to shock the world on Sunday, which leads to the question, do you think that the Vikings are going to continue this regular season, really special regular season, or do you think Robert Salah and the Jets are going to take that next step? This is actually my most intriguing game of the week by far. It's a great matchup. It's going to tell us a lot. It's going to reveal a lot of truths about both of these teams. I'm rolling with Minnesota minus three and the money line. I know you and Steven are rolling the Jets. The reason I'm rolling with Minnesota is because this is going to be it's going to be a prove it week. Like I said, it's good. we're going to reveal a lot of truths this week. I need to see consistency out of Mike White before I crown him the solution to the Jets problem. So if this week he balls out again, sure, that's that's two games just this season. That's plus what we saw out of him last season, I'm in. Like, I'm in for the Jets and Mike White, but I I don't want to crown him the solution to the problem too early, right? I made that mistake with the Jaguars and the Texans and everyone else early in the season, so I, I want to see a game or two more than just what we saw last week. While I don't think Minnesota is the truth, and while I've been dogging on them as frauds all year, this game's going to be a prove-me-right, prove-me-wrong game. This team's either legit, and they take home a win, or they're the frauds that I think they are, and the Jets hand them another loss. Again, I, I just think it's going to reveal a lot of truths about both these teams because the Jets have an incredible defense. I think the only elite defense that Minnesota's faced all year, they lost by 40. So I, I really, this is kind of the game I really, really want to watch just because we're going to get a lot of information out of this one. Because I say that, it's probably going to end 3-3 and like nine players are going to get hurt and you're not going to be able to say shit. But if none of that happens, I, I just think this is going to be, I think it's going to be an intriguing game, whether it's a good game or not. It's just going to reveal a lot of stuff about these teams that we've been talking about all year long. Well, with the Vikings, first of all, let's just even start there. It proves your metal because they're not really playing for much at this point. You believe that they're likely not going to be the number one seed in the NFC. And they're going to win their division. So they're going to have a home playoff game. It's just about seeding at this point. Beating a Jets team that's going to be as hungry as they are is going to be a huge test. And the Jets, speaking of them, we have that Thursday night football game kicking off in less than an hour. They are going to be so glued to that game because you got a really big reaction one way or another where if the Patriots win, well, then all of a sudden the Jets have a real chance to get back in the division hunt. If the Patriots win, you're also worried about wild card. So there's a lot to be weighed here. And I think the Jets, especially because of their head coach, they're going to want to get in themselves. But I'm with you, dude. It, this is going to be an awesome matchup. And one that we talk about primetime Kirk Cousins, getting blown up at home against the Dallas Cowboys two weeks ago, and having this defense roll in, it's a real big opportunity for not only Kirk to solidify this Vikings run right now, or it's going to keep going into that narrative. Kirk can't play big games. It might not be prime time, but it's another big 
opportunity that he let slip away. Denver is going to Baltimore now where Lamar Jackson, crazy enough, he got dinged up in practice this week. He actually left practice early on Wednesday. He was limited again on Thursday with his quad injury. Totals 39 and a half here. While you're thinking about this, yeah, I found, so I've been searching the whole fucking time, but I found the Patriots record since 2000 in December, 71 and 23. (laughs) 71 and 23, and I'm taking Buffalo minus three and a half. The people at home know one way or another how this game has already ended, but well, they I'm can still, like I mean, idiot. Buffalo can still win it. But if you think about that, 71 and 23. So if we had 21 and, and seven with Tom Brady, that would put him at 72 and 16. So 71 and 23 means they probably were hot in the middle years. And then that he's collectively cooled off a lot in recent years. You're probably right. There's probably a real chance. But then I also wouldn't be surprised either if you told me they've gone 7-1 and one in the two December since, and we just look like morons. Also, maybe attributing one more loss to Tom Brady, Belichick, because the end of the season, maybe. True. You always can almost remember that game where Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Foxborough and basically won home field advantage for the Chiefs won them a bye, and made New England play the next week. And ironically, I think that was Tom Brady's last game ever as a Patriot. That sounds about right. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe you have those gross, ugly games at the end of the year. Although that could have also been January. So, for all we know, that could have been there too. But, yeah, back to what we were saying before. I actually have the under in this game. And the only reason I think that this would be intriguing at all is if Russell Wilson flashes old Russ but we really have no reason to believe that December Russell Wilson is going to be any different than the one that the first three months of the season has shown us. I mean, there isn't a reason eight and a half. I think is a perfect spread. I think it's right on the nose here. I have the score is 21 to 13 and that's why I'm not going to bet. I feel like it's really too close to call on that front, but the under is going to hit the Broncos defense has been unreal this year. And yet again, they're going to be left hanging because their offense can't get it done. Is there any reason to worry about Baltimore's inability to hold big leads in this one? Or you think that the Ravens just run away with it? Man, I hate this game. So provided Lamar plays, given the fact that he injured his quad or something yesterday, provided that he actually plays and he's 90% healthy, I'm betting Baltimore as eight and a half point favorites. I'm taking the under at 39 and a half with you. The spread is almost enticing enough to lean Denver. But what you can't forget is that Baltimore has led by two or more scores in every single game this season. They just let teams inch their way back. Obviously, sometimes the point of choking and losing, which we saw earlier in the season. Denver's offense is the worst in the NFL. It's backed by statistics. That's even forgetting about the eye test where you just want to scratch your eyes out if you're watching the Denver offense. But I think Baltimore is going to go up by two scores, by two possessions early, and Denver won't be able to recover. Like, it's not going to be inching their way back in. It's just going to be, you know, the defense will hold Baltimore steady and Baltimore will hold Denver steady. And I'm pretty close to what your prediction is, but 
I just think Baltimore rebounds at home, and I think it's to the tune of like 24-13. I just 13, it feels like the magic number number for Denver. That's two their field number. goals, a touchdown, like touchdown on the opening drive or something, and two field goals the rest of the way. Just feels like the magic number. And I, if Lamar's healthy, I'm taking the Baltimore eight and a half favorite, but it, you're, you're absolutely right. We're for sure hitting the under. I'm sh- shocked that the, the total moved because it was at 38 and a half, which I should have bet two days ago because that's just that number alone. I, I don't know why it went up. I, I have a hard time believing that that, that number went up after hasn't Denver hit the under and like, I think they're like 10 and one on the under on the Yeah. Year. Steven has it here. 10 and one and the Ravens are seven and four. Yeah. Just fucking slam that under. I like want to know why it went up. I've been trying to think about it is I don't know if there's like a big player coming back that I'd miss somehow or like it makes no sense. It to might me. be no. Cause it should have went down for Lamar getting hurt. So like, I don't either. I don't understand the, the line moving up. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, it feels like that's a free win, to be honest. It does. And it's one of those, I'm, I've changed my strategy on gambling 19 times this year. There are people like you, David, that have followed us for the first couple of years. And now you're a part of it. This is by far the worst I've ever done. And it's not ending. Like, I'd love to tell you that I'm magically getting hotter. I'm not. So I've completely scrapped like old strategies and I'm kind of going with what you said a few weeks ago. And I am, I'm not overthinking it. If my gut tells me one thing and stats support it, I'm going with it. If I think one way stats go the other way, I might just avoid it altogether. So David, I'm kind of using your brain here to help me out, but the Steelers they're going to Atlanta where the Steelers are actually a one-and-a-half-point road favorite with a total of 42-and-a-half. And talking about totals that seem big, this under of 42-and-a-half is calling my name. I have the Steelers minus one-and-a-half, too. Well, let's start with that part. I don't know how the Steelers even lose this game. I've been trying to figure out how they don't win, and the only way is, is if they're letting it run down their throat. The Falcons have the second-best running offense in football, at least in terms of yards. Their yards per carry, they're top 10. But the last month, the Steelers' defense has gone from being a bad run defense to considerably good. 110 yards allowed to the Colts, where Jonathan Taylor looks completely healthy again. 62 yards against the Bengals, 29 yards against the Saints, and 111 yards against the Eagles. The Eagles just ran for over 350 yards against the Green Bay Packers. I don't know how. I, I'm trying, but I don't know how they don't find a way to cover. Kenny Pickett, I told you, he's coming off the best game of his career, but he has A.J. Terrell on the other side, and he's an undercover lockdown corner. If he was playing anywhere else, we talk about that guy the way we talk about Sauce Gardner right now. But because he's in Atlanta, because that team sucks, he gets forgotten about. It's not fair to him. He just shut shut down Terry McLaurin. He's going to shut down George Pickens this week. I don't see it. Where are the points going to come from? Let's start with that. Who wins this game? Are you riding with me on Pitt minus one and a half? Steven sure is. What are you doing? I am not betting on this hot garbage. And I it, here's why. Because deep down, I'm with you. I don't know how Pitt doesn't win this game. I figured the spread would probably be larger towards Pitt's. 
that is why Vegas clearly knows something I don't. Atlanta is the worst team in the league to bet on this year. I want nothing to do with this. And the, to top that all off, 42 and a half. Well, that is what, 21 points for each team to, man, that feels achievable. But at the same time, it doesn't feel achievable. I just, I, I'm out on this. Like, I, I don't I don't want anything to do with betting on this game. If I had to, I'd probably pick Pittsburgh Moneyline. The spread's way too close for me. I'd rather just bet on a team winning outright than bet on the spread. It just feels feels too close for me. Uh, that's why I'm not betting on it. I just can't. This is what loses me week after week is games like this. Yeah, but you're smarter than me too because if I was really trying to be intelligent, I probably shouldn't bet this. To go with you though, and why you'd want to avoid it, what are the Steelers playing for right now other than draft position? Nothing. But the NFC South, the Falcons are half a game out of first place right now. If they win this game, they're in the driver's seat. Yeah, but I just, I, I don't know, because it's Atlanta. If you shut down, if the Steelers shut down the run, that team's going to lose by three touchdowns. I don't, this game is gross. I don't want to watch this game. Just going to simply be happy that I didn't bet on it in the end, no matter who wins. I, I just don't want to be a part of it. All right, last question, and then we'll move on from this gross game. I can't believe that I want to talk about it this much, but I'm more intrigued than I should be about Atlanta-Pittsburgh. But speaking of rookie quarterbacks, we talked about Kenny Pickett. Are we going to see Desmond Ritter this year? It's crazy to say this. The Falcons haven't had their bye week yet. After this game, they're going to have their bye week, and then you follow that up with New Orleans. Or do you keep going with Mariota simply for the fact that you're in a division race, whether you deserve to be or not. Man, if you haven't gone to Ritter yet, and, and Mariota has been bad. Not bad as in like making a lot of turnovers, whatever, but he's been bad because you've been actively limiting him and his how many attempts he takes. If you're not confident in Ritter yet, when are you actually going to be? Which is why I think that Ritter probably doesn't play the rest of the season. I have a hard time believing that you've watched Mariota for 12 weeks, soon to be 13, and you're now just getting the the urge to, to play Ritter. It would have to be an atrocious, atrocious, atrocious performance from Mariota to see Ritter, I think. I think the other way that you could see it potentially is if you have a Falcons team look in the mirror, realize they're not going to the playoffs. If they lose this game, let's say they lose to Pittsburgh, they're going into their bye week, and then to factor that in, Tampa Bay wins a game or two, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, what are we really playing for this year? I think a lot of it depends on what happens in this game. If the Steelers come out and they beat this Falcons team 27-10, to 10, which is the number that's been bouncing in my head for this game nonstop, what are we waiting for? Even if Ritter sucks, at least see it. I want to see it in meaningful football, not preseason. But let's go to this next one. Jacksonville is a one-point road favorite going to Detroit. Totals 51 and a half. And not to steal your thunder too much, Steven and you have the over of 51 and a half. And the reason I'm spoiling your pick is because I'm going to throw it to you right away. I need you to talk me into it. Because I have been thinking under a 51 and a half, and I can't really be pushed off of it, but I need to 
T- tell me, what am I doing wrong? Why is the over the play here? The Detroit Lions are 17th in weighted DVOA. Jacksonville is 20th. And while Jacksonville's come from behind victory was fun, especially for the nerds out there, this isn't some new team. This is the same team we were watching all year long. And Detroit's the same way, but they've been on a little bit of a heater recently. They've been playing very well for the last three weeks. I think they are the slightly better team. I think the numbers back that. And the Lions have the advantage of playing at home on an extended rest. I think it'll be high scoring because both these defenses suck. I say high scoring because I, I realistically, I could see this being 30-27, right? Like I could see this being in that range, high 20s, low 30s. I don't think any of these teams are going to stop. I think Detroit's going to pull out the win, which is why I have Detroit plus one. I have the over at 51 and a half. For some reason, the way they're playing, at minimum, I think they're going to put up points. And a lot of them. I'm betting on Detroit at home, and I'm not really quite sure why the Jacksonville Jaguars are favorites here. Everything in the stats I look at, everything in the way these teams are playing, and and for those out there, weighted DVOA, it's DVOA, but it's weighted in the most recent game. So the most recent games get a heavier heavier weight to give you a better idea of how that unit or how that team has been performing over the last few weeks and discrediting early in the season a little bit more. Detroit's just played better. They're better in weighted DVOA, and I don't know why I'm leaning on that, but for some reason, that's what gets me over the hump of Detroit winning this game. And so I I like Detroit plus one, and I like the over. Well, God, I'm actually really happy that you went in and explained what weighted DVOA was because I – didn't actually understand what that stat was until you said that because I had been looking at this and thinking to myself, the Lions started the year with Seattle in terms of those two defenses were so atrociously bad. And the last couple months, it feels like they've gotten better. They've had games where they've given up a lot of yards, a lot of points. Last week, they gave up 28, and it didn't even feel like the Bills offense played that well. But then you remember the games that they beat the Packers 15 to nine, and you want to believe that there's something else there. I'll, I'll tell you this. Good news for you guys, you and Steven. I'm going to stick with my under bet, which means the over will for sure hit because I haven't been able to sniff anything out all year. But I will say you've completely won me over on Detroit. I'm hammering the money line there. So I'm going under a 51 and a half in Detroit money line. And you kind of talked me into 17 DVOA, even recently. It makes me just think that Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, even if they throw up like 20, like give me, give me that 28 to 20 win. That's what I want right here. I need to believe it. I need to also start separating my bets from you guys if I want any shot in hell of trying to get back into it. I'm going to trust my gut on the under, but completely won me over on the Detroit money line, David. I love that, but let's go into Tennessee at Philly. Philly's four and a half point favorites, total set at 44 and a half. Dude, I, when this line was at five and a half earlier this week, I thought that was the perfect line. And I was having a really tough time deciding what the hell I was going to do. But now that this, and I, I know people out there are probably thinking that it's stupid for me to say this, 
but I am hammering Philadelphia as four and a half point favorites here. I think it's a smart play. I think the Titans run game, I've been on them all year. I've been saying, you know, they get the run going, they're going to win the game. I think it's overblown how bad Philly's run defense actually is. And oh, by the way, even though they rank 24th in DVOA right now, they get Jordan Davis back in the tackle group who's going to make a massive difference in the run defense. The Titans are running 27th in EPA per rush. That is horrific efficiency. If the Eagles can even slow it down and not make this look like a Derrick Henry 200-yard, three-touchdown game, if they can even slow the Titans' run run game down, I just I'm all about the Eagles winning this game. I just think it's the perfect storm to get Jordan Davis coming back. They stall the game. If they can stall the run game at all, in what universe is Tennessee going to overcome that and and pass and win through the pass game when Philadelphia's corners are unbelievable this year? Something about four and a half just makes me want to hammer Philly on the on the spread. The other thing to consider is Tennessee has lost to both of the mobile quarterbacks they've faced this year. Even if they are an elite rush defense, the fact that Hertz is an active rusher may actually totally negate that. As of yesterday, 83% of the bets were placed on Tennessee covering the spread, which means all of the value lies with taking Philadelphia. Huh. So if I recall correctly, and, and don't quote me on this, so I said Tennessee's lost to both of the mobile QBs they face this season. I believe one was a blowout loss to Buffalo. Yeah, they got killed in Buffalo week two. I yeah, say. early on in season. And they got, I, I forget who the other one was. I want to say the other one was. Well, they lost opening game of the year to New York. They lost to Cincinnati last week. No, they lost to uh, the Chiefs as well. So Patrick Mahomes, what, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. So, I mean, I guess they're losing oh, to good Oh, the Giants, week one. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. That whole rush offense. That whole rush offense. Daniel Jones, mobile QB. I wasn't even considering Pat Mahomes, who is a mobile QB. But they've got, they got fried by the Bills. They got upset by the Giants, all who have mobile QBs. And Tennessee's supposed to have a pretty good rush defense this year. They rank in the top 10 in rush defense, I believe. Jalen Hurts this year, I've said it before, he feels like he's the MVP, even if it really should be Mahomes. The fact that he didn't throw all that well against Green Bay, but then took it to him for like 180 rushing yards is or 156 or something. I don't know. But regardless, it just feels like the Titans are in for a world of pain. And I, I just got to hammer, hammer the Philly spread of four and a half point favorites. God, you and Steven are killing me. Steven has the exact opposite. Of course he does. He has Tennessee minus four or plus four and a half. Excuse me. I'm going to pull the biggest David Clavin move ever. And it makes me so sick to my stomach because I'm the guy that chases the value, chases the money, and it's stupid. That's like gambling 101, things you don't do. But I'm going to do what you do, and I'm going to be smart, and I'm just taking the Eagles' money line. I'm putting my Titan-hating mouth where my money is, and you take away Derrick Henry to what you were saying before. I don't know how the Titans compete with anybody. It's Mike Vrabel, and it's Derrick Henry. Beyond that, I don't get it. But let, let's let me break this down for you. In the seven wins this year, Derrick Henry is averaging 25 and a half carries, 112 and a half yards, a touchdown, and 4.4 yards per carry. In the four losses, he's averaging 17 carries. That's eight and a half fewer a game. 
65 yards. That's nearly 50 yards fewer. Three quarters of a touchdown. That's pretty on pace. And then 3.8 yards per carry. So not only are you down over half a yard per carry, the attempts are down, which means Ryan Tannehill is throwing the ball even more, which limits the success of the passing offense that is already limited because you don't have A.J. Brown, because you don't have Traylon Burks for most of the year. I don't actually see how Tennessee covers because, to your point, Jordan Davis is going to be back. And in the last two weeks, the Eagles' run D has been so much more encouraging. They kept Jonathan Taylor and Aaron Jones under four-point yards per carry. I should bet with you, but for some reason, something just weirds me out that they'll win this game by three or four. And that's why I can't do it. So I'm going to stay away, but I think you're on the right side here. You know where I'm not on the right side, Wally? Oh, boy. Here it is, David. Cleveland at Houston. Cleveland seven-point favorites. I fucking hate myself. I texted you earlier today and said you're going to open our rundown and see my notes and, and shit your pants at surprise. But here I am. I am taking Cleveland as seven-point favorites and the money line, which makes me want to throw up, but here's why. Sure, Deshaun Watson hasn't played football in, in three years, but if he plays anything like the guy we saw in the 2020 season, the Texans don't stand a chance. They're by far the worst team in the NFL. They've continued to get worse as the season goes on, not to mention they have made the choice to bench their starting quarterback, who everyone kind of believes was one of the best, if not the best rookie quarterback in in the in last year's class. And they're going to move to back up Kyle Allen, who's shit. As for the Browns, sure, defense has been shaky all season, but their offense was fifth in the NFL and weighted DVOA with Jacoby Brissett at the helm, which means the most recent weeks, their offense has been firing on every single cylinder with a backup quarterback. Slide in Deshaun Watson. I'll get with the fan base. Let's get super fucking hyped. Hopefully this offense can be unleashed even further with limited rust from Watson. But even if he's rusty, this run game is going to abuse the Texans. I'm a little bit shocked the the line isn't more in favor of Cleveland because there's nothing about this Texans team that says, yeah, we're going to compete. You're right that the line is low. The only part of me... I think it's the emotion. It's the unknown of the years off. It's how important this game will be for the city of Houston. I'm not personally betting. I'll get into that in a second. I should read Steven's little blurb here. He has the Texans plus seven in money line. And his exact quote is that the whole organization wants to be Deshaun Watson. And he's taking the emotional Texans money line because of that. And it would also be the most Cleveland thing to do ever. And he's and, right, by the way. Yeah. He's absolutely right. And that's why I'm going to hate myself this weekend. And I'm probably going to want to jump off of the 480 bridge. Right I there in Garfield that. Heights. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I, for the same people out there, absolutely. But I'm jumping on that fucking bandwagon again. Only I'm jumping on that hype train again, only to be derailed in horrific fashion. I don't blame you at all. And let me point out the reason I read his blurb when I haven't been reading it is because of my point here and why I'm not betting. I'm going to have buyer's remorse no matter how this game goes. If the Texans win this game, 
You're right. This is the most Cleveland thing of all time, Stephen. And I should have seen it coming. But then if I don't do that, and, and the Browns win this game 31 to 6 because the Browns are really wanting to play for their quarterback. They're trying to say, hey, we're a team that actually we're we're bigger than the stories that you have wrote about us all year. We want to win this game for us too. I'll be pissed off that I didn't take the clearly superior team against a Houston team that doesn't look like they could compete with a Canadian football league team right now. No matter what happens, the winner is going to come in and say, I told you, like, how did you not know this was going to happen? And it's going to go one extreme or the other. The Texans will win this game or the Browns will beat the shit out of the Texans. I don't think that this ends in like a four point win for the Browns. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm learning, guys. Shout out to me. I'm awesome. But Washington, they're a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Going to New York, going to MetLife to face the Giants, where the total is 40-and-a-half. I'm going to throw it to you immediately again. I have no notes on this game for one reason and one reason again. I don't know what I'm doing, David. I am inclined to take the under 40-and-a-half. But then this is another one of those games that you can just close your eyes and see it being 24 to 17. And I don't want anything to do with that. Can you convince me one way or another, whether it be Washington, whether it be New York, or whether it be over under? I'm taking Giants plus two and a half. And the reason I'm doing it, Taylor Heineke, highest turnover worthy play percentage in the NFL. It's really not close, which is a little shocking, but also not. I just don't think that level, their level of play can be sustained with a guy who constantly turns the ball over or at least puts out plays where a turnover can happen all the time. I, I think New York finally gets back to their successful rush attack against the Washington football team and probably potentially wins the game. But I liken the game to Washington versus Atlanta because it's Atlanta and the Giants are, are a God, very similar team. For some reason, I just like the Giants at home as two and a half point underdogs. I think they get their run game going against the uh, against Washington again. I'm not sold on Washington winning, and I probably should have just not bet on this game like you. But I really do like the Giants in this game. I, I really like that that spread at home. They're the, the home underdogs in the NFC East. Anything can happen. I'm taking the Giants. I'm just so scared though because. It feels like you have the Giants, who is a 100-pound weight in water right now, and their season is coming swiftly down to earth. But Washington, they are winning in spite of how poorly they seem to be playing. And plus, is have you heard, is Chase Young coming back this week? Or are they holding him out one more? Have you seen? I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything. Me neither, which tends you or, or lends you to believe that they're probably going to keep him out at least one more week. But while you're looking that up, I want to pick Washington because of Brian Robinson and how well he's playing. But then I'm with you where I still think in my heart of hearts that the Giants are not only better coached, but they are a better team. Screw it. I'm riding with you, David. We're going Giants plus two and a half. So the Giants feel like weights, right? You said they feel like a weight in the water. There are two teams in the NFL that play exactly like him, and it's the Falcons and the Titans. And if the Giants get their run game going, it's a Giants and a heartbeat win. But, like, but that front home. seven for, like, They're Washington. At home. Uh. They're at home. 
think about it. They're at home. Are you saying what is it? What is your your God? What are like the blackjack rules of betting on on? Is it is it three points that go towards the home team? So you're telling me Washington's a five and a half point favorite away against the Giants in their own division? Hard pass. Hard pass on that. But you you just said it. Like the Giants live and die with their running game. In the Washington front four, don't even go front seven. The front four, even without Chase Young, is very good. Like, I, I'd love to figure out, and one of us will have to pull it up, where the Washington rush defense actually ranks. Because I really do think that if Washington takes the run, uh-oh, you got some. They points. lost to the Titans, and they barely beat the Falcons. But they beat the Falcons. Like the Giants are kind of nineteen to thirteen. Oh, get out of here! Fine, I I told you I'm riding with you. They lost to the or no, they beat the Colts seventeen sixteen. I mean, they beat the Bears twelve to seven. I, I don't man. They lost to you. Talk me into it. They they barely beat teams that could equally only run the ball, and then they lost to the Titans, who only could run the ball. And oh, by the way, that was when the Titans were starting Malik Willis. Miss me. I don't I just don't think this whole winning streak of the commanders can be held. Oh, by the way, they play the Giants two weeks in a row. Ew, really? Oh yeah. If that's terrible. Yeah, because there's I think there's a bye week in between, but they play but them. Still, it's like the Ravens Browns last year. Good point. In a matchup like that, you're playing them two weeks in a row. I'm taking the home team. Literally two weeks from now, I will take Washington at home. That's how I feel about this. All right. Well, I told you, you talked me into Giants plus two and a half, which means that I'm not going to do it. I'm going to chase my money now because I'm sick to my stomach. I'm taking the Giants money line. If I'm taking a plus two and a half, screw it. They're getting a win. I'm taking that extra little hidden value. And if the Washington commanders win by one or two, you get to laugh in my face on Monday. And there's a very real chance the way this year is going, that will happen. We might be laughing in Steven's face, though, next week because the Green Bay Packers are going to Chicago and they're three-and-a-half-point favorites, totals 44-and-a-half. But guess what, guys? Justin Fields is a full participant in practice again. All three of us at one point on this rundown had no Justin Fields literally written on here. Be like, no Fields, no problem. And I agree, and that's why I'm putting a disclaimer in on this bet where you shouldn't go out and make it until you know who the Green Bay, or excuse me, who you know who the Chicago quarterback will be. Because if it is Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears are going to win this game. It is going to be the start of the turn of the rivalry here between Chicago and Green Bay. However, if he doesn't play, take Green Bay, take Aaron Rodgers for one swan song at Soldier Field, and let's hope our sweet prince Steven enjoys Rodgers' last win at Soldier Field because I don't care if he's back next year or not. Chicago is going to start taking it to Green Bay, and I think it starts this weekend, David. That's a hot take because even if Justin Fields plays, I'm still I'm still on Green Bay three-and-a-half-point favorite in Moneyline. If Justin Fields doesn't play, the Bears are getting blown out by three scores. Completely scored. agree. Completely yeah, agree. Like they're getting sauced. If he does play, it'll be much closer, but I still – I favor Green Bay, and I favor it because what I learned betting on games this year because of all these stupid statistics about, like, 
the AFC South, is when there's a trend, just don't bet against it. Which Aaron Rodgers, the whole trend is him dominating the Bears. So, like, I don't care if he's playing like shit this year. I don't care if the Packers are playing like shit this year. Didn't they beat the Bears by three scores earlier this season? And that was with Justin Fields. And, yes, he's gotten better and the offenses look better over the season. But I'm just not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers, against the Bears. It just feel, it feels like one of those AFC South bets, you know. He's probably 105 against the Bears all time. I'm not going to go against it. I'm, I'm sticking with the trend. Green Bay, three and a half points favorites and money line, regardless of if Fields plays or not. But I kind of hope he doesn't because that would make this an auto win. Well, Steven agrees with you, and I understand why, as Aaron Rodgers has told the city of Chicago himself, he owns them. So there's reason to believe that that'll continue. I'm just, I'm again, putting my money where my mouth is. I've been a staunch field defender, as you know. And I think that this is going to be one of those first moments. Yeah, we've kind of started to see the turn uh, of the gameplay uh, in the of the narrative around him. But I think this is going to be the moment that we really feel it, where the Pat or the Bears are like, wow, maybe we get some weapons out there. Maybe we get the O-line better. Hell, maybe we actually have a defense again. This is where it's going to be. What I should ask, I, I put my number away here. What was the total in this game again, David? 44 and a half. Why aren't we hammering the over right here? The Brown, when's the last time the Bears have held anybody under 30? It just hit me. I know the Packers haven't looked good, but now not only do they not have Robert Quinn, not only do they not have Roquan Smith, they also don't have Eddie Jackson now. The last time the Bears and the Packers played, it was 27-10 Packers over Bears. You're right. That was before Justin Fields started running the ball. That was when they still thought, hey, let's put a square through the circle hole. Yes. But what is that, 37? So, I mean, if Justin Fields is playing at full capacity, maybe, maybe that overhits. But also, when was the last time Green Bay scored 27 points? <laughs> okay, that's fair. Well, I, they did last week. They got, oh, uh, they got 40 to 33, yeah. And then they got 17 the week before that, 28 the week before that, 9 before that, 17 before that, 21 before that. Come on, we're working through this together. Hand, join me. Is this team over? I think this is team over. The Packers have only scored more than 24 points four times and two and two in doing that. I don't know, man. I don't know if the Packers can score enough to hit the over. No Eddie Jackson, no Roquan, no Robert Quinn. It's at each levels they've lost their best player. Join me. They lost to the Lions. You know that things happen. (laughs) They lost to the Lions and gave up like a million points. Also scored a million. That's fine. I will go on the over 44 and a half train myself, but don't tell me next year or next week I didn't try to talk you on to Team O. Team O right here. But that's all right. I I talked myself into taking the Browns at seven-point favorites in money line. Next week I'm either going to be ready to hang myself or (laughs) we're going to be riding high. So Very good point. That's a very good point. And I'll be riding high when this next bet hits because it's going to, and you know it's basically become my adoptive NFC team this year. The Seattle Seahawks are seven and a half point road favorites going to SoFi to to face the defending Super Bowl champion Rams 
who are three and eight, and the total is 40 and a half. I'll just get this going quick for you. The Seabirds buy a billion in this game. Seattle minus seven and a half. And I'll tell you why. I tried to get you on the last game over train, but you're going to join me on this. And it's going to happen. And this is the reason. Their defense just got rocked by the Raiders. I'm with you. Yet, what did they do after the first month of the season when they were getting used and abused by everyone? Very much like the Detroit Lions were. They have improved. Good coaching has brought the best out of them. They answered the bell. This ain't a Rams club that's prepared to compete with anyone in the NFL. No Stafford. No Aaron Donald. No Cooper Cup. Jalen Ramsey looks lost. No run game whatsoever. McVay is probably in concussion protocol himself right now because he got decked by one of his players last week. I need a blueprint to convince me a cover for LA is even possible. Hammer Seattle minus seven and a half. Ah, buddy. It just feels like a weird line to me because I feel like it should be larger. And that's what scares me. At seven and a half, I feel like it should be larger. But you know what? You've convinced me. Instead of just taking money line, I'm going Seattle, seven and a half point favorites. I think they're going to win. I'm with you. There's nothing on the Rams roster right now that screams they can win a football game against anyone. Donald's out, cups on IR. Even players, even really good role players uh, like Troy Hill, who's back there, are like questionable to play. Stafford's not playing. I, I, I just, I'm with you. You've sold me. Seattle, seven and a half point favorites. Fuck it. That's where we're at. Let's ride. Kill me. Oh, that's perfect. Well, I think we're going into the game in a week. And I don't think I'm overselling that. I'm, I think that this is, to this point, in top three non-Raiders games, I'm looking forward to. To this point of the year, the Miami Dolphins are traveling to San Francisco where the 49ers are surprising three and a half point favorites. Total is 46 and a half. I don't even know where to start this one. This is strength on strength. Arguably the best offense in the NFL is going against the best defense in the NFL. You have Mike McDaniel returning to his former team. You have Kyle Shanahan welcoming back a part of his coaching tree. I don't know what to do. I have Steven has Miami plus three and a half. And I, that's not, I shouldn't even say that. I know exactly what I'm doing. But before I get into that, I want to know what you're doing. This line's weird to me. I don't know. Like, it feels like maybe Vegas knows something I don't. Miami is a powerhouse with an elite offense. I don't think the 49ers have, have the firepower to keep up. I realize that their defense is great. It's the second highest ranked defense, according to PFF in the NFL, first being the Jets. Go Jets. I don't know. I, I just, this, there has been, outside of when Tua was hurt, there has been absolutely zero signs of the Dolphins offense getting slowed down. I just, I'm taking Miami plus three and a half. I just think that they they either win the game or they they lose on a field goal. Everything in my body screams Miami plus three and a half. So I have to do it. When I first saw this game, my instincts told me the same thing as you, especially as you're a Twitter, an avid Twitter user, just like myself. 
and you go on these days and what are we seeing every other day, but a new fun cut up clip of Mike McDaniel and Tua on the sideline, having fun little banter. Saw another one earlier, I guess a couple that have just, they make you love this team. They make you love that coach, that quarterback, that dynamic, all of it doing the whole, Oh, Hey, Georgia's clearly the best team in the sec. So happy Tua isn't on this radio frequency, like shit like that. Or, Hey, I was up last night at 3 a.m., couldn't fall asleep, and I remembered that you told me you'd YouTube me. So I decided I YouTubed you. It's like these fun little quips, and, like, I just – you want to fall in love. However, the more I started thinking about this, this feels like the NFL version of the Tennessee Volunteers going to visit the Georgia Bulldogs this year. It is elite offense, elite defense. And this year in the NFL, we've seen defenses coming out on top. And I look back at that Buffalo Bills game against Miami earlier, and I was without a doubt the worst to his look while he's been healthy. The 49ers, to me, no disrespect at all to the New York Jets or PFF or DVOA, wherever we saw you got that stat from that they're slightly above. I think the 49ers have the best defense in football, trusting my eyes. And I don't honestly think it's that close right now. I They have all layers of the defense. I think the biggest hurdle for them is the offense can sometimes put them on the field too much. The offensive side of the ball, even though it hasn't been at a perfect clip, it's been at a high level with CMC since the trade. And last week, I know that you lose uh, Mitchell to the second MCL, and it was underwhelming last week. But that's just how this team is built. If you don't turn it over, things typically go your way. We're going to come back here on Monday, and this is going to surprise a lot of people. Because I think we're talking about the 49ers in a handedly one game. Like we're talking how does how does two how does San Francisco score the football? I think a lot of it's going to be defense too this week. How does no, no, how does San Francisco any game of the season, how do they score the football? Well, I mean, they're going to try to best to to run the ball down your throat when they can't get it there. I mean, it's the fifth highest graded rush defense in the NFL. They haven't faced Kyle Shanahan's offense, though. They've only gone eight and three, even without their quarterback, without it. So their defense has to be good. Their top 10 defense overall, in according to PFF, the only thing they're bad at, the only thing they're bad at is pass coverage. So you're betting on San Francisco winning by four points or more. You're betting on Jimmy G. Pass. Hard pass. <laughs> the hardest of passes. I hear you. You're betting on a Jimmy G game. I hear you. And I might look like an idiot. I'm not ruling it out. I really do. I told you, this is one of my favorite games of the year on paper. I think it's an awesome matchup. And we're going to learn a lot. This is is the best quality football game we're going to see since the Chiefs played Buffalo when Buffalo was actually good at football. I am super excited for this game, but I will not bet on Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, That's fair. There is a chance that this is a dark a dark horse Super Bowl preview. I think that San Francisco is, to me, they're the second team in the NFC to come out now. Like it's Philly or them for me. In the way the Dolphins are playing, if they can get home field at least besides Kansas City and keep it in the warm weather the way they play football, I'm with you. I just, dude, I I'm you know I've got an awkward love affair with Kyle Shanahan 
Buddy, I do too. But here's I'm done betting on Jimmy G. I don't care if they win football games. They don't win. I don't care if he's been to a Super Bowl before. He's not good. And I won't bet on him against an elite team. I'm betting on CMC getting a lot of the ball, whether it be out of the backfield or design runs. I don't care. CMC is going to touch the ball 25 times, I think, on Sunday. All right. Fuck this game. Let's get into the game where I'm really crazy. Oh, Second game of the week where I feel like I'm going to hang myself on Sunday. Oh, no. Night. Pause. Pause you, David. Uh, Patriot Pat is out tonight for the the Patriots. How did I not know that? Oh, oh you go back and change your bet to New England? I can't. It's too late. It's kickoff. I just like, how do I? That's what, like my thing is I love to bet on whoever's dressed nice. They play nice. And of course, Patriot Pat is out. Whatever. Please continue. I, I know you're talking about my dog shit team and the other Look, buddy, I'm going – this weekend's either going to go perfectly for me or I am – like I said, I'm going to be ready to hang myself on Sunday night. I legitimately cannot believe I'm doing this. But Los Angeles Chargers visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. The Chargers are a one-point favorite. Total set at 50-and-a-half. Buddy, I can't believe it, but Las Vegas plus one. Hear me out. For those who have been listening to me say DVOA 9,000 times, and I haven't explained it yet, DVOA measures a team's efficiency by comparing success on every single play to a league average based on situation and opponent. And I said earlier, weighted DVOA simply weights the team's most recent performances more than early season to better evaluate if a team has improved, declined, whatever, throughout the season. Now, knowing all of that, that's, let's get the nerd stuff out of, out of the way. The appeal of this game for anyone just looking at on paper is 100% weighted towards the Chargers. When you break it down in stats in the nerd stuff, it kind of favors the Raiders. The Chargers are 23rd in weighted DVOA. Because of this, in their six wins, they have an average margin of victory of four points. Now, the Raiders' defense is atrocious, so that may cancel everything out. But this Chargers' defense also has been inexplicably bad. They are 29th in DVOA, 28th in EPA per play, defensively. I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to stop Josh Jacobs from running all over them. If the Raiders even play remotely close to the way they played against the Seahawks, I think they win the game. I'm with you that the Raiders are probably going to win. I just can't bet it. Root for anyone. Don't even watch this game. Let me win a bet for once. <laughs> well, you you know how everybody has that. Like when you watch football long enough, especially in your division, you have a better idea. Like you can, like other people can watch and you're like reading the stats. It's just like, I know my division. The Raiders and the Chargers are so painfully predictable when they play each other that the Raiders definitely will win this game because it'll hurt their draft stock and it'll cost the Chargers a chance to playoffs. It is like the perfect, it's written in stone. It's already out there. And I told you guys, I think it might've even have been Sunday. As soon as that other game was over, I said, I don't care what the number is. You hit the over on this game because that is the number that you want to hit because the Raiders defense is an abortion is the, the best. I, it is, it is one of the worst things that it's every year. It's amazing. It's actually impressive at this point, but the offense has almost overcome them throughout the year. The Raiders have those six losses by one possession. 
they're that close. They're a defense away from being an elite team, or at least a team that's playing with the top level teams in the NFL. And instead, their defense allows 30-some-odd points every game. If you get 30 on the dot, you need 21 out of the Raiders. In this rivalry, it's going to happen. I, I'm telling you, this game is 35-31 Raiders. It is. This is like, it's so predictable. I, I don't even, this isn't even like other ones where I'm like, oh, guys, uh, like we'll come back. It'll be the opposite because what I said. it. No, this, this will be a, a game in the 30s. The winning team will be in the 30s. The losing team will be on their heels. It'll be close. I'm with you. If you have the Raiders, I think it's actually a smart pick. I'm just not going to do it because I know better. And as soon as I do, it'll affect it. Steven has Raiders plus one money line and the over as well. Add the over to me as well. Fuck it. That, that a boy. Las Vegas on, plus one and the over at 50 and a half. As Brent Musburger would say, jackpot, baby. Casey, two and a half point favorites against the Bengals down in Cincinnati. Totals 52 and a half. That Miami and that San Francisco game was awesome. This is on that level. The Bengals beat the Chiefs twice last year to help spell that or at least get to that magical Super Bowl run. And here's the thing is the Bengals are playing such a high level. PFF's two top-graded players in November, Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. Jamar Chase, very possibly, he's going to be coming back. Even if it's on a snap count, he will likely be back. I'm going to go with KC minus 2.5 in Moneyline. And this one, to me, is more of a, you know, I, I the Bengals are, like, probably the second team I root for most because of my family. Just unashamedly, that's the facts. And I hate Kansas City. So this is almost me pulling my power to make the Bengals win. It's just two and a half. I don't care where they're playing, who they're playing, neutral site. If the Chiefs are within a field goal spread, I'm going to take them. I think it's free money. So I take Chiefs minus two and a half in the money line. And Steven's on the exact same wave as me. Are you joining us to make it a, a good old trifecta? Absolutely. Chiefs are Super Bowl favorites right now in the AFC. It's it's a game of elite offenses and what I thought was so-so defenses. But if you look at PFF, the Chiefs are ranked the seventh highest rated defense this year. It's all coverage grades. Their run defense is atrocious, but their coverage grades are high. Do you have it up in front of you right now by chance? Yeah. Well, how is George Karloff this done? I'm just interested to see because I feel like every time I look, he's had a – or he's been – doing something but i i don't know his grade he'll, he'll be have like a 53 hold on not great not of great of course of course he's going to be like a 55 because is that it 50.6 oh my Total god 53 was high 57.6 in pass rush 41 in coverage and oh so he's terrible good job 27.9 tackling grade all right high five wally way to bring up george carl off this david take it away <laughs> That's actually shocking because I thought it would be way higher than that as well. Every time I look, I feel like he's – maybe it's just because he played the Raiders, and when he plays the Raiders, he plays well. Could which, be. Which, you know, division rival, I guess. But, wow, that's surprising. I really thought he'd be doing better than that. Going back to to what I was saying about the defense, I think Kansas City's defense is a little better than than I give them credit for. However, let's say it is a game of just two elite offenses with so-so defenses. I'm just going to take the best QB in the matchup. 
and bet on that. And that's Patrick Mahomes. It's an electric matchup. Kansas City, two and a half point favorites and money line for me. I'm riding with you and Steven dead on. We've only done this a handful of times this year, and I'm pretty sure every time it comes out wrong. But, you know, definitely fuck it. Uh, hard to bet against Kansas City. Hard, I forever will never bet against Pat Mahomes, especially on a spread this this two and a half points. It's to your point under three points. I'm taking the Chiefs all day, every day. It's awesome, though, that Patrick Mahomes is at the level that we obviously know he is. He just won Offensive Player of the Month for probably the 19th time in his career already. But then I mentioned before Joe Burrow, highest graded player in the last month. This feels like it could be that quarterback matchup that people want Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen to be, where you might get tired in a few years of Bengals and Chiefs playing in the playoffs. And I think that there's a real chance that's the direction we're trending right now. The Colts won't be there, though. And that's where Sunday Night Football, we are going to Dallas, and the Colts are too, regrettably. The Cowboys are 10.5-point favorites. Total is 43.5. I'm not even going to get myself worked up on this one, David. It's Dallas minus 10.5. Steven's with me too. This is going to be a game that we remember as the beginning of the end of Jeff Saturday's experience in Indianapolis. They just got worked by Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. Dallas is going to get it done, and I think they're going to get it done very easily. Buddy, I'm not betting on this. I'm, I'm I'm hammering home. I don't bet on spreads that are this high. So I'm just doing Dallas money line. What's your number? What's your number? Like if you had to have a number where it's cut off, where is it? Probably like eight and a half. I think that's a fair number. Probably eight. Nine is nine. Just feels too high for me. If it's got an eight in front, I think I can roll with it. But nine plus, I'm out. I, I lose these all the fucking time. No matter what I do, it's wrong. So I'm just taking Dallas money line. The defense is elite. Colts go back to reality, like you were saying. I mean, this is Jeff Saturday is is not going to be the guy for very long. Dallas could win this game by 40 like they did against the Vikings, and I'll regret it, but I'm just unwilling to bet on it. Oh, my God, David. You should have – never not you. You should have uh... – Done exactly what you did. I wish that I let you talk me into betting with Patriot Pat and the Patriots as you were doing that right there. Of course, Mac Jones just threw, oh, it's a bubble screen. Why am I shocked at all? He just threw a bubble screen for a 50-yard touchdown. They're about to be up 7-3. to three. So, yeehaw. So we're um, going to hit the over then is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, that, you're right. I'll talk myself into that. I can't go winless on – Thursday Night Football again, hopefully. Anyways, shit, I cut you off. I'm sorry, buddy. Oh, I, you're good. I was done. All right. Well, thank God. I'm I'm about done, too. The Monday Night Football game, the Saints are going to Tampa, where Tom Brady and the Bucks are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Total is 40-and-a-half. Tom Brady is two-and-four against the Saints with Tampa Bay. One-and-four in the regular season. This last time... When they finally got over the hump and got a win, we thought the Bucs might finally have put their, that demon to bed. They were going to run away with this division. Instead, all the teams are within two wins, and it's not a good thing like the NFC East. Where are we going? I, I'm inclined to just say the under. Neither offense has done a damn thing in the last several weeks, and for whatever reason, Tom Brady can't figure out this defense. Do you have any idea where the points are going to come from to make 40 and a half or reasonable like total here? 
kind of. Not really, but kind of. I'm taking New Orleans plus three and a half, and I'm I'm doing it, and and I'll get to the over under thing in a second. But I'm I'm doing plus three and a half because that New Orleans 49ers game last week made me think really hard about this game. So sure, we can look at Tom Brady's history against New Orleans. It's not great, but Tampa Bay didn't look special against a terrible Browns defense. I don't think they're remotely close to clicking on all cylinders. And so I think this ends closer than people expect. I think this is a field goal game. So even if New Orleans loses, I, I, th- I don't think it's by more than three points. I just think if New Orleans doesn't turn the ball over and they play hard, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see Tampa Bay win in like a 23-20 fashion. And I know that gets you over the 40 and a half. But something about it just feels right to me that it'd be like 23-20. Something about it. Well, this will point to that. I mentioned that Brady is 2-4 and four against the Saints with the Tampa Bay. In those six games, 40 and a half has been hit four of the six times. Last Ooh. time's only one of the two it didn't. So I understand your reasoning. I, I think that part that kills me is that, of course, the Bucks. I mean, they just got beat by your Browns defense that, not to poke fun at you. It's the third worst in the it's NFL. Terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's The it's rush defense, defense is the second worst in the NFL if you're looking at PFF grades. So. They can't tackle. And somehow, some way, this Tampa Bay team didn't even test that ability last week. So that part worries me. Then you look at New Orleans. They've managed to score 13 or more, or more than 13, excuse me, one time since October. So what? they've scored 13 or fewer in three of their four games last month. And the other one, it was a 24-0 win against the Raiders. And the Raiders' defense is not great. We'll, we'll say that. it's a, The Browns look good in metrics against the Raiders defense, which is remarkable. But that is the only time they scored 13 or more, yet we keep trotting out Andy Dalton. Dennis Allen should be fired on that alone. Unders hit. That's all I'm saying. No, you got me thinking about it, but I'm going to leave it alone. New Orleans plus three and a half. You're smart. Steven, I don't know if this is smart or the opposite is smart. He's taking both of our bets. So he is on New Orleans plus three and a half, but he also has the under. He just doesn't think until proven otherwise, Tom Brady can, can beat New Orleans. Ironically, even though the, Tom Brady beat them earlier this year. But I digress, Stephen. Good luck with that one. That leads us into prop, lock, and drop it. And God, we always miss Steven in moments like this. He can send us into this better than anyone on earth. But I'll read his picks for us. He has A.J. Brown, two touchdowns against his old team in the Titans this week. He has the lock being Miami plus three and a half. We are very different there. The drop, he has Dallas minus 10 and a half. I'll give you mine so I can shoot it to you, and we can just wrap it up here, David. I actually have Steven's prop. He talked me into it. A.J. Brown against the Titans. And Nick Sirianni, the kind of guy he is, he's kind of got that Philly asshole in him. And I mean that as a compliment as a football coach. He's definitely going to do everything in his power to help A.J. Brown have a day to remember against his old team. Lock, the Steelers are going to beat the shit out of the, the Falcons. One and a half on the road. 
felt really low. I think it's just because of the uncertainty around Kenny Pickett in the offense, but they get it done. And I'm dropping the Cleveland and Houston game. Again, I think no matter how that game ends, we're going to tell ourselves we should have known. But if it goes both ways like that, I think you have a good candidate for a drop. So, David, let's send it over to you. Prop, lock, and drop, and let's get out of here. Prop, Devin Singletary, under one and a half receptions is plus 121 right now. I hit it for value alone. He's not a receiving back in New Orleans, or New England's front seven is good enough to prevent two plus receptions to him. My lock, and honest to God, I cannot believe I'm doing this, but Cleveland, seven point favorite. I'm getting the hype train out of station. We're going to catastrophically derail it, but fuck it. I'm locking it in this week. My drop is Atlanta versus Pittsburgh because the line's too close. Vegas knows something I don't. Both teams are garbage. I'm out on that game completely. I know the game's already started, so the people at home will know how it ends by this point. But I love that prop of yours, especially with the wind. You just got to imagine those underneath passes are going to be everybody's best friend tonight. Love that. But that will bring us to the end of another episode of Lost Down. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down and our Twitter at Down underscore Loss. Remember, this episode was brought to you by Tabbies.com and Abby Turner Creative. David, do you have any parting words for our listeners today before you head off to your wonderful Florida weekend? I promise I'm not fucking insane, but we're betting like it this week. So send it, folks. It's a full send is absolutely right. Enjoy Florida, buddy. I hope you have a great time. I will hate you, especially on Sunday night when we're leaning in and doing the research for this and you get the prop back with that scotch in your hand and that beautiful weather out there. Have fun. Just know I hate you. (laughs) We'll see you guys back here next week. Until then, remember, football is better than football. Football.